You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A local player returns to his roots by committing to the Utes. It's the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're leading off today's show with a story about Lolani Longi committing to the Utes. What's the status of his commitment? Why return to Utah after the roundabout? And what are the chances that he might see the field? Also, Orlando Omana finds a home, but it is far from home. What does it mean for Orlando as he moves on? And what does it speak to in terms of what the Utes have developed on the offensive line position group? Lastly, Michaela Skinner announced that she will not be returning to the University of Utah after her Olympic experience. We'll break down just exactly what that means to the Utes and what they'll be looking forward to as the Red Rocks move into 2021. That'll be it for today's Locked on Utes podcast. Stay tuned. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for July 8th, 2021. Thank you for joining me here on the Lockdown Utes Podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I am your favorite bear sitting in his comfy chair. As always, happy to crack open a hot microphone and speak with you, speak for you, speak to you, listen to you as you speak to me, both virtually and physically in some cases. Uh it's always a great day to be a Ute when you're listening to Locked on Utes. That day is going to be just a little bit better. So thank you so much for tuning in, for following us on social media at Locked on Utes on Twitter, for emailing us, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com, email account for interacting with us on Twitter as well. You can always find me at BrownBearSLC, tweeting out the hot takes about such things as built bars and, of course, the Locked on Pac-12 podcast. My personal favorite of all the conference podcasts, there's always Locked On SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, but there's no better place to get all your Pac-12 conference conversation than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by my main, Cindy Robinson. Last week, we talked a little bit about endorsement NIL deals for various Pac-12 players, talked a little bit about the Olympics. We'll continue that conversation, obviously, throughout the week. Myself, Michael Luke, Cindy rotating, making our way through it, talking about the Pac-12. There's a lot of news coming down the pipe, so it's going to be exciting. Make sure you follow that on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully it's somewhere other than Apple as uh, they've decided to make a mess of everything. But wherever you listen to us, we're very grateful for it. Just like we're grateful for the fact that Lolani Longi has committed to the University of Utah. And if that's a name that sounds familiar... There's likely multiple reasons for it. The first of all is that Lolani is the younger brother of Harvey Longy, former University of Utah athlete turned BYU Cougar, now playing the NFL. He also was a much-anticipated University of Utah recruit who ended up going to Boise State, ended up serving on an LDS church mission, ended up going to Washington State when he returned and has finally found his way back to the University of Utah. It's a roundabout trip, but for a player like Lolani, who 
in high school in a state champ or state playoff game once flashed the U after making a big play. It seems like he has actually found the place where he was always destined to be. The question with these kinds of situations is, is always what happened. And I think the biggest thing to explain when it comes to these roundabout recruits is that a lot of times recruits will build relationships with coaches individually and value that above the relationship that they have with the university. We've seen it go in Utah's favor. I, I think Aaron Lowe is a great example of, of what a relationship Coach Scally can build. We've seen what Kyle McDonald can do with a lot of the players that he's brought in, a lot of the running back talent. Uh, there are certain coaches on this staff, Sharif Shaw, another one of them, that just had this ability to be very magnetic with their personalities and the way that they bring players in. I think in the Polynesian community, there's an added effect to that where certain coaches maybe are more highly valued within that community because of their understanding than others. And, and it's just like anything in life, you're going to side and you're going to go and lean towards the things that you understand the most, the things that you relate to the most. I believe that that's where Lolani started out with his relationship with the University of Utah. And as things changed on the staffs, as, as coaches exited the program and moved on to different destinations, the valuation that he put in their relationship was above that of the University of Utah. It's not my place to say if that's a mistake or not. I think for the most part, when I advise players that I've either worked with or players that I've talked to or players that I've coached on a personal level, I advise them to make the best decision for them based on the university itself because staffs rotate so frequently. And most coaches in their honest moments will tell you the same thing. Now, this is a competitive as all get out industry. And so coaches are not always going to be upfront and honest about that kind of thing during the recruiting process. And so it's very easy for kids to be misled. In the case of Lolani, I think he had a value for himself. I think he had relationships with certain coaches, and, and that was the emphasis that he placed on a lot of his decision-making. And in the end, I don't think he ever felt like he was fully at home. This is more speculation on my part, but just from the interactions that I've had with those around him, from watching him throughout the years when he played at Bingham High School, there's a very strong relationship with he and, and Junior Tafuna and Simote Peppa and that crew of the Bingham Miners. You know, Sione Fotu, another one that comes comes to mind in that little group. I shouldn't say little because there's nothing little about them. They were absolutely dominant. One of the best high school defenses that I've seen in a long, long time. And Lelani was a huge part of it. Uh, Simote controlled the middle and the, the line of scrimmage. I think we've seen how good Sione Fotu was. Uh, Junior Tafuna was another added piece to that. But Lolani was... He was the part, the kind of the, the fire, the passionate part of that that defensive group. He he plays with incredible passion. He plays with incredible speed and twitch, almost like his hair is on fire. At times, he kind of reminded me of Troy Palomalu with the style that he played with, where it was just all in, full speed, balls to the wall, as they like to say, with no regard for any kind of breaks. Or anything like that. And and he's a phenomenally fun player to watch in that regard. It will be fascinating to see how his athleticism translates to the next level. Does he stay at a linebacking position? Will he be able to make that 
chaotic, frenetic energy that he plays with translate at the linebacker position in the University of Utah system? Or does he continue to fill out his frame and bulk up and maybe transition to the defensive end spot? Can his size and his his quickness, his burst, be the kind of tool and weapon that Utah can use to where they can unleash him on on longer downs and longer yardage situations or obvious passing downs to where he can cause chaos and play with that frenetic energy and be more disruptive there. It'll be fascinating to see. Lalani is coming to the University of Utah as a walk-on. I think that's the downside to every decision that he made is as he continued this roundabout throughout different uh, institutions and different uh, staffs and, and conversations and whatnot, he removed from his opportunities the chance to be a scholarship athlete right off the bat at the University of Utah. It's twofold. One, you're telling a player, hey, you're going to have to come improve yourself. You're going to have to walk on. You'll have to pay your own way for the first year. We're going to save that initial. It does open up the possibility to give him a scholarship down the road. We know that there's going to be a lot of turnover, a lot of changeover from this season into next season. We're going to have to wait and see how many guys decide to come back that were COVID super seniors or super juniors or super sophomores or whatnot. And Utah is going to have to make some decisions with roster size and everything of that nature and, and scholarships. We still don't really have a ton of guidelines from the good old NCAA, what a big surprise there. But this is a great opportunity for Lonlani to come in to uh, reacclimate himself with the game of football in an environment and with teammates and, and friends and a family that is much more familiar to him, closer to home. And, and that may be another part of it as I, I don't know the Lolongi family, uh, the, the Longi family personally, but from what I've heard and, 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 everything of that nature. It is a very tight knit family. Some players do better when their family is around. I know for me personally, it was always a lot more reassuring seeing family and friends in the stands simply because you knew no matter what happened, they were there for you. They had your back. Uh, There's a bit of a romantic element to football where it's after the game. You want to go out and you hug your mom and you know, you, you hear your dad slap you on the shoulder and say, nice job kid or Whatever dads say, I don't know. I'm not a dad, but I, I assume, you know, it doesn't feel like it was that long. It, it was that long ago, but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that my dad was telling me stuff and sharing what he'd seen and so forth and so on. And, and that kind of support and that kind of love for such a difficult day-to-day operation as playing football can be really empowering and have it nearby and close by can, can be really great as well. He's also returning from a mission and there may be an element of wanting familiar surroundings with his, his LDS faith and, and wanting a, a program that's more culturally geared to allowing that to flourish. And I'm not going to critique other programs around the country. College is college. Kids are going to go and do the things that they want to do in college, but there are certain uh, atmospheres that are more conducive to those of the eldest faith and there are others that are not. And so there could be a lot of different reasons for him to return home. I think the expectation needs to be that he'll, he'll likely come in, settle in, take some time to develop uh red shirt and or uh, not really play a whole lot that first year. He's going into a position group with the linebackers where it's going to be, very hard to crack the rotation. There's just a lot of talent there. There's the Calvert brothers. Obviously, Devin Lloyd is there. Nephi Sewell has a spot that, that is definitely well-earned. I do believe in Andrew Mata'afa still. 
I think he has some very strong potential. Uh, uh, there's a lot of of talent there at the linebacker position, a lot of bodies, a lot of opportunities for guys to make way. And so I think any expectations for Lolani can probably be way late until next season. We'll find out more about him come spring ball 2022. And then come fall 2022, we can probably project a little bit better what his impact could or will be at the University of Utah. But it's a good story and a good opportunity for the University of Utah when they go into homes this year to local recruits. And there are some big ones out there. Lander Barton, by far the headliner. And yeah, he's a Barton. And yeah, we all know that Paul and Mickey are going to do their thing and and push and, and everything like that. But it always helps to have that example in your back pocket where you can present to a player and say, hey, look, look at Lolani. He took off, tried some things, came back home. We welcomed him with open arms, and look where he's at now. He He's on the cusp of this. He's pursuing that. He's happy. He's in a good place. All these kinds of things that you can share with those kids to say, don't take the long way. Just make that choice and come straight back up, come straight on up to Utah. Great to have Lolani on board. Uh, it, it's fun to see local guys come back around. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy for him because I think this settles a lot for him that was always up in the air. And I think that he was always searching for something that was always sort of right there at the University of Utah from him. And more than, more than that, I'm excited to see he and, and Junior and, and Samote United as they were a really fun group of kids to watch in high school. And, and I really enjoyed getting to know all three of them, uh, very different in all their different ways and, and, but very fun and, and it will be exciting to see that develop and we'll do our best to talk about and and share with you how those relationships develop with them and and so forth and so on as as we move forward i would bet my money that it's going to be another situation like we've seen in the past where uh, you're going to find some funny stories and and some uniqueness out of those three and the shenanigans will obviously continue much like they've done in the past with Cody Barton and Chase Hansen and and other uh, you know Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson and the leadership stuff that they passed on down and if there was a place where I could go and place my money on that you know where it is it's betonline.ag fastest easiest way to bet on all your sports action if you want to gamble, you go to betonline.ag. You deposit your funds. It's super easy to sign up. You can do it on your laptop. You can do it on your mobile device. If you have a carrier pigeon that can fly to a computer, that carrier pigeon can do it for you. Whatever method you want to go about signing up, they have the website there, betonline.ag. You deposit your money. You enter in the promo code Locked On, and boom, immediately, right off the bat, you get an extra 50% on whatever it is that you deposit, and then you have all that money to play with. There's all variety of bets to be placed. The NBA Finals going on. Obviously, baseball is still in full swing. There's still a little bit of action going on in the NHL. Who knows for how much longer, but there's always golf, tennis, the Olympics coming up, and, of course, futures bets coming for the fall Always great action at betonline.ag. They have the best news, odds, and info for whatever your sporting needs are. So head to the website, use that mobile device, sign up today, get your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on, all one word. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Moving on with today's episode of the Locked On News Podcast as Orlando Umana 
announced that he was heading to Ole Miss as a transfer, a good landing spot for Orlando for sure. He's going to get plenty of opportunity to prove himself down there in the SEC. It does look like he'll have an opportunity to start down there for Lane Kiffin and the rest of the Ole Miss faithful. It'll be fascinating to see how he does transitioning into an offense at Ole Miss that tends to play a little bit more up-tempo. I think the biggest strengths of Orlando were always his leadership skills. Uh, I think he's a very strong athlete. I think he does well in pass protection. I think the schemes that they run down there would likely favor him a little bit more, and we'll keep a good eye on him and, and see how he does down there and see how things translate. But I think it's twofold. I think, one, from the immediate perspective, we look at this and think to ourselves, my goodness, how far has the University of Utah come that one of their offensive linemen is transferring to the SEC and will likely become a starter down there? That's true. I think it also points out the fact that it is so rare that a player of the caliber of Orlando Omana comes into the transfer portal or comes onto the market that every team that has even maybe the slightest amount of need is going to jump all over that right now. I think it speaks even more so to the fact that offensive linemen are at such a premium in this game right now that experience, and especially at a P5 level, you're basically just saying, yep, come on down. We don't care what the issues are, and there are no issues with Orlando. I want to be clear about that, but they're going to say, yep, we, we, we're whatever it is, whatever that present, prevented you from seeing the field, we're okay with that. We need talent that badly, and we're that desperate for big bodies who can play that you can come on down to this SEC-level school, a program that has given Alabama all it can handle in years past, probably one of the few SEC teams that has been able to do that, and that is just going to be the norm. I think it speaks to how difficult recruiting for offensive linemen is right now. A lot of it is just the fact that there are not a lot of big bodies out there anymore with the talent and skill development that there have been in the past. We see videos all the time of these kids going through one-on-one -on -one drills at camps, and they're not padded, and they're not doing proper technique, and they're all out there just throwing guys around and trying to get pancake highlights, and they're fun to watch, just like WWE is fun to watch. But that doesn't mean that it's good, high-quality coaching, and it doesn't mean that it's good, high-quality encouragement in doing those. We did one-on-ones in every practice, and more often than not, the, the drill got stopped or the rep got blown dead halfway through it because we had to get the technique correct. And I think sometimes with these camps... The, the draw, the allure, the promotional aspect of it because everybody's trying to make money off of it and everybody's trying to get these kids recruited and, and bank on their exposure. It's all about building this brand. And, and this is not a critique of those, those individuals and those coaches that are trying to do it because it's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to do lineman camps and I wanted to build a program and I wanted to do individual coaching and I wanted to build a career out of it. And it's really, really hard because you have to find a middle ground for that. And I just simply couldn't do it. I was not prepared for leveraging the idea of making players the best that I possibly could while also having to fold my own morals over on some of the things that I knew we would have needed to do in order to, to build them to be their maximum players, but possibly would not have allowed me to continue to grow in the industry. So these are all issues that are preventing offensive linemen from developing. The other part of it too, is that the game is 
changed drastically. It's gotten a lot more difficult. And so the old school dudes like me who are just big and strong, could move their feet a little bit, are having a much harder time transitioning into the next level because you have to be so much faster. You have to be so much more athletic. It's a huge reason why the University of Utah has gone about things the way they have, recruiting athletes first and legitimate football players second. I think it's another reason why the recruiting in the offensive line position has maybe not ticked up the way that people expected it. But as I mentioned on the board at Ute Zone the other day, it has ticked up a lot more than maybe we anticipate or maybe we think. Nick Ford, who likely going to be the highest drafted uh, offensive lineman on this year's group, likely to be Utah's best offensive lineman. There's a good possibility that if things go according to plan, that Nick could end up as a day one, day two draft pick, maybe even a first rounder, which would be Jim Harding second after Garrett Bowles. He was an 82-level recruit, three-star, through the industry composite for 24-7 sports. 0.8247, I believe, is, is what his entire ranking was. And that's not great. If you look at some of the rankings for the last group of, of offensive linemen that Utah recruited, both Khalif Au and Zeroy Williams were ranked 86 three-star recruits, a full four points higher than Nick Ford. So when you think about it in those kinds of terms, it, it's, it's a much more impressive feat than maybe we realize or recognize what Utah's doing in terms of their offensive line recruiting. Does it still require a lot of development? Absolutely. The 90s and above guys are still not coming to the University of Utah. And if you look at the places they're going, it seems to be this. There's an overall trend every single year. Three of the top 10 recruits going to Alabama. Another top recruit going to Georgia. More top recruits going to Ohio State. The one standout probably from last year's class, Kingsley Sumataya, coming from the state of Utah going to Oregon. Notre Dame, Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Georgia. Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. The top recruiting teams in the country for offensive line play stay consistently the same. Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. When you start to look at the rosters in the NFL, you're seeing all the NFL guys are coming from Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. And there are teams out there. USC is trying to make a push on that. UCLA is starting to make a push on that. Teams are trying to push their way into getting some of these bigger, higher-level recruits to build the offensive line units. But there are such heavily guarded corners on these markets from teams like Alabama and, and Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, as I've been sing-songing the whole entire segment, that, that it's really, really hard to break into those things. And so I think it's very important to acknowledge the fact that Utah is trending in the right direction, that they are developing talent, that they have started to change the type of players that they've been recruiting on. And I said this for a very, very long time. They're not going off the heavy plotters, the Jordan Angasivas and the CJ Potassis of the world. They're going more after the Falcon Kalmatules and the Zuri Williams, who are 6'8", 260, 280, a little bit longer, a little bit leaner. And we're seeing that it's taking a little bit more time to develop. Simi Mawala, another guy that converted from defensive end. He was 6'7", 6'8", coming out of high school. Uh, we're seeing it with Tongiai currently uh, at the University of Utah as he's converted from uh, defensive line to offensive line. And that's another movement that we're seeing where 
The University of Utah is identifying these guys who have the athleticism, the agility to play. And what we saw early from him, I think, is very, very promising for sure. And so we'll continue to watch and see what uh, what Tanoa is able to do on the offensive line at 6'6", He is very well built for that. I think the biggest thing was just how quickly and easily he converted to making it look natural. As we've seen with Simi Mawala. His length has sometimes been a little bit of a struggle for him. Like he's had to fight over the top of his length rather than just being able to use it to his advantage. Uh, we'll have to continue to watch that and see how things go. Uh, you know, I thought Xavier Carlton did a good job of exposing how some of those guys who have that length can kind of rely on it a little bit too much and that when he can counter that length, it really gives them problems. But I think it also points out and identifies the fact that it is very, very difficult to always be the top dog in every matchup because you're going up against so many different types of players. I think that may actually play to Orlando Omana's advantage as he moves into the SEC. Maybe his strength and his size will give him an advantage against some of those bigger SEC defensive linemen. Maybe that'll help him a little bit to show out and establish himself a little bit. I think overall, it's difficult to see a guy like Orlando leave because he was a safety uh, safety valve, if nothing else, right? Gives you a reliable, uh, experienced backup, a great, great leadership guy, uh, just a solid young man, a great individual, smart, hardworking, did well in classes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, was beloved, beloved by his teammates. And so that's really difficult to see him leave. At the same time, uh, this is what's best for Orlando, and we're excited to see that happen. So. It's a catch-22 right now at the University of Utah. We're starting to see some major, major strides made for this program, and and especially on the recruiting front, you know, to see Utah make the top whatever, you know, top 13 for A.J. Harris. A.J. Harris, who is a uh, 2023 five-star cornerback. Um, now it's the top 13, but the last time we saw Utah get into that, that deep uh, of a class for a top-level cornerback recruit – he actually didn't even put Utah in his top five and then signed with the youth in February. So if you like Clark Phillips, consider A.J. Harris. So watching all this stuff happen, it can sometimes feel like maybe the offensive line is getting neglected. Like maybe the offensive line isn't progressing. And look, we all have eyes. We can all see what's happening out there in terms of watching how much pressure it seems is getting into the quarterback and watching how often teams are run blitzing Utah and trying to crash the gaps. Is it working? I don't know. Utah seemed to be pretty good at winning nine or 10 games every single year. So my argument would be that it's not really working, but does it really kind of get to Utah at times when they play those elites? Maybe. Do they kind of shoot themselves in the foot sometimes with that stuff too? Yeah. I think a great example is when we look at that goal line situation where the mesh was bad between Tyler Huntley and Devin Brumfield, our obvious reaction is to point the offensive line and say, you didn't do your jobs. But we're not counting the number of guys that are on either side. We're not playing to the fact that Utah was outmanned to the side that the, that the blitzing linebacker came from to make the tackle. We're not counting to the other side where Utah was also outmanned because USC had outflanked them and that they were probably in the wrong play call and the wrong setup against that particular defense and the style that SC was playing on that night to be successful in that one. So oftentimes when we see these kinds of things, we do see what we're seeing, but it's not always what we think we saw. I don't know if you've ever been out at, late at night and, and you're walking around and you hear something and you turn and you think you saw something and, and 
you have to kind of talk yourself into saying, well, my mind's maybe playing tricks on you. Sometimes when we see pressures, or as Sam Darnold likes to say, we see ghosts on the field in the moment, it's actually our mind playing tricks on us as well. We're not seeing the hot read. We're not seeing that the the tackle is releasing the outside backer because he's big on big on the five technique. We're not seeing any of these kinds of things because we're so invested emotionally in the moment and, and our, our nerves are, are peaked. We're, we're feeling the tension, you know, deep down into our plums, you know, all that kind of stuff that when that starts to happen, we don't notice those kinds of things. So where we may think the offensive line is not progressing. I do think there are some areas where it does need to continue to progress without a doubt, and, and there's always a good, valid concern about that group. But I also think that, as we're seeing now, Utah is starting to cycle in so much better talent on the offensive line that the guys who we used to think were the great talents aren't even able to stay in there and hang in the fight. That was a long segment, a lot longer than I planned on talking about. Uh, and now I'm exhausted. I'm not going to lie. I need some refreshment. I need some nourishment. You know what it is. I need a built bar. But what's great about built bar is right now it's happening. Post the gif. We're all freaking out. We're running around. It's happening. Grasshopper cookie is available on builtbar.com. Now, I've been previewing this for a long time. It is the best flavor of built bar that I have ever had. They sent us a small little box to try. That box was gone, no joke, in under two days. And I had to restrain myself. I had to give one to my mom, say, don't let me touch this. This one's for you. I want you to try it because I would have eaten the entire box within a day if I had not otherwise. Grasshopper cookie available on builtbar.com this week only, July 6th through the 9th. Get the new built bar flavor, grasshopper cookie. Tastes like a built bar version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. And I cannot emphasize this enough. If you like grasshopper cookies, if you like thin mitts, if that flavor is something that you enjoy, having these bars made me crave that particular flavor for an entire week. The Andes Thin Mints, all of it. And I got to be honest, I actually like the built bar a little bit more. I know that sounds crazy, but the only reason I'm talking to you about it right now in this advertisement is because I already ordered four boxes of it for myself. And so I know that I'll have a good solid supply of that moving forward. We're going to have to ration it. We're going to have to ratio it. We're going to stuff some of it away. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll give some of it to, to some lucky lady as an engagement gift or an engagement ring in place of an engagement ring because that's how highly I value it. Now we're just talking crazy, but the fact remains you need to go to BuiltBar.com. Uh, they are the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get fi- or locked fifteen. You'll get fifty percent off your order. Use that promo code locked fifteen for fifteen percent off at built.com. Go get your grasshopper cookie box of uh, built bars and enjoy yourself gorging on the best tasting protein bar ever. Wrapping up another episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Some news and notes to get to. Michaela Skinner announces her collegiate career retirement. Uh, Skinner has elected to leave the school after her junior year to pursue a chance to compete in the Olympics, uh, which she accomplished after earning a spot as an individual in the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, Coach Tom Farden had this to say. We are over the moon that Michaela's lifelong dream to become an Olympian came true. I have had several conversations with her regarding her future after the Olympics, and I fully support her next chapter in life. 
We are grateful for the commitment she showed to our program and university, and her legacy will live on forever. Uh, Skinner said, The Olympics this summer will mark my last gymnastics competition before I officially retire. I will miss being a part of Utah Gymnastics and competing in the John M. Huntsman Center. I have nothing but good things to say about Utah Gymnastics, from the organization, the athletes, the fans, to Coach Tom and the staff. I will not. I will return to finish my degree and graduate at the U and will forever be a Red Rock. It is no secret we have the best fan base in the nation, and I'm happy to now transition into being a part of it. She did mention uh, as well that her body had started to uh, fatigue and, and that she was excited and looking forward to this next step. And you have to think that everything that she had to go through, everything she had to overcome, getting to the Olympics, having it being postponed for a year, having to deal with COVID and being in the hospital, dealing and fighting, fighting that battle, all that had to play a factor into this. And so it does affect the University of Utah gymnastics team. Uh, but at the same time with Grace McCallum and so many others returning, they still have a lot of talent coming back. It is sad to see her go as you kind of wish you had one last go around and one last round of memories, knowing that she was going to be a Ute available to you. However, hard to hate on a decision anytime an athlete feels that it is time for them to move on i'm always supportive of that and grateful for the opportunity to have watched them compete and we will all get that opportunity one more time here at the tokyo olympics basketball announces the sunshine slam that they'll be playing in uh november 20th and 21st in daytona beach that will include tulsa rhode island and boston college again november 20th and 21st uh, Tip-off times, TV networks, and ticket information will be released at a later date. Utah will first square off against Boston College for the fourth time in program history on Saturday, November 20th in the Ocean Center and will face Rhode Island or Tulsa on Sunday, the 21st, depending on the outcome of Saturday's matchups. The opening game for the Utes against Bethune-Cookman will serve as the first meeting between the two programs. That will be played at the uh, at the University of Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so kind of a little bit of a different format with that one um, as part of the tournament's regional round home games. Uh, I, this is kind of a new thing for me as well. I don't know that I've ever seen that before, um, but cool. You'll get to go see Bethune-Cookman on Monday, November 15th ahead of the Utes heading down to Sunshine State for this tournament. We've talked about how the Utes needed to beef up their scheduling. Uh, I think that this helps to a degree. I'm not sure that Bethune-Cookman is the lights-out kind of home opponent that Utah fans are looking for, but more than anything, I think it confirms what the expectations need to be of this basketball program this year and moving forward. This is going to be a retooling year. Let's call it that because I don't think it's a full rebuild. I think it's a retool, a recalibration, and I think that early on you've got to develop some some cohesiveness. You've got to develop some chemistry, and, and you've got to develop some guys into some roles and find out who you're going to have because this is going to be an absolute blaster of a Pac-12 basketball season. There is so much talent coming into the Pac-12 Dior Johnson going to uh, Oregon is a big part of that. Uh, UCLA has a massive class coming in. Um, it, it's just there's going to be so much talent in the Pac-12 this year, and so many teams are turning good players, and Utah will still have one scholarship available uh, at their disposal as the NBA combine and draft eligible players are, are soon to be announcing whether they're going to stay in the draft or return to school. So there's an opportunity for them to go pluck another player from the transfer portal. I think Stefan Mitchell or um, 
Stefan, yes, Stefan Mitchell. Oh boy, you can tell how long it's been. I'm starting to forget the names uh, for those guys. Still available for the University of Utah, and so that will be something to monitor as as this deadline approaches soon. And we'll see how things go in continuing to fill out that non-conference schedule because, without a doubt, the conference schedule is going to be an absolute barn burner. One last note before I leave you. Nate Johnson competed in the Elite 11 finals for the uh, Elite 11 quarterbacks across the country. There's usually about 20 to 22 participants. Only 11 are chosen as actual Elite 11, hence the name. Uh, He was not chosen as an Elite 11 finalist. He did have a superb... Uh, day on the second day of the camp in terms of his measurements, the overall return on Johnson was this incredible athlete, incredible tools, plenty of, of things to work on still needs a lot of polish. And that was always how it was going to be with him. That's why Utah was able to get in the door with him early. There is a phenomenal video interview with he and Brandon Huffman out there that if you are a Utah fan, I highly, highly recommend that you watch it. You can go to the Locked on Utes Twitter page and and watch it there. We've we've posted that video on the feed. I'll uh, make sure that it gets retweeted to the top of the feed because it's absolutely one that's worth watching. He's a phenomenal young man. I use that word phenomenal. He's just so well-spoken. He's very humble. A lot of his... Hard work and his work ethic come across very easily in the interview. The things that he says, I think, will be very appealing to Utah fans. And you should be very excited about the young man coming in that wants to be the quarterback at your position. And they're bringing in two of them because Brandon Rose is no slouch either. And I'm sure we'll see more updates from him as the year progresses as well. So you're going to have two really very talented, uh, potentially laden quarterback prospects going into the fall season to follow and watch. And and in my mind, that's a great opportunity because you can never have enough good football to watch or enough good football to be excited about. And we've definitely tried to give you a lot of football talk today. We're going to try and continue that. Jake should be back. Uh, we gave him the the uh, the first part of the week off because he's got some family duties, and uh, you know he also does it daily with Locked On Cougs and the radio and everything else that Jake covers. Uh, I, you know, we might as well call him a quilt the way that he covers everything. So to our good friend, quilt hatch, we will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, also to all of our friends out there in, uh, Utah land. Thank you for tuning in as always. Thank you for rating us, for reviewing us. We appreciate every last one of them. We love you. We like you. We encourage you to stay well, be well, and do well. This has been the locked on Utes podcast here on the locked on podcast network. Go get your bill bars best tasting protein bar on the market and we will talk to you again soon